Purdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Delivering great customer experience every time is really, really hard. If it was easy, more companies would be doing it. We all know that ain't happening. That's exactly where this show comes in. Every episode, we take a close look at companies who are getting customer experience right. Whether it's over the phone, over technology such as social media or apps on your smartphone, or in person, there are some companies who are just really good at this. This show looks at what they're doing differently to make their customers love them and introduces us to the people whose job it is to make great customer experience happen. So if delivering exceptional customer experience is part of your business, this is the podcast for you. I'm Pat Perdue, and I'm glad you found us. And welcome to Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Perdue, and I'm really excited that you're spending this time with me today. This is our Mother's Day episode. Happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and I hope you had some special time with the moms in your life this weekend. Because this is the Mother's Day episode, I have a super treat for you. My guest is none other than the godmother of customer experience, Jean Bliss, here to talk about her new book called Would You Do That to Your Mother? <laughs> I just love that title. It's so sassy, right? Would you do that to your mother? <laughs> I can't wait to share this interview with you. This book, it's a great book. It's out just in time for Mother's Day. And it's 32 case studies of companies that are doing absolutely great things in customer experience. Super readable, super accessible. And Jean has joined us this week to share her experience in writing that book. And also, I've got some news about this podcast. Its focus is going to shift ever so slightly. We're changing the format to be about employee experience because Let's face it, if you have an outstanding employee experience, your customer experience is probably also going to be outstanding. And if you have a sucky employee experience, no customer experience initiative in the world will help your team be better at delivering great customer experience. So watch for that podcast in the near future, Pat Purdue's Employee Experience Podcast. And related to that, this podcast episode is brought to you by Ycaster. Ycaster is a new product we're launching here at Socialicity. So here's the thing. Corporate communications typically suck, and not because it's anyone's fault, but because they're so often delivered in formats that are boring. Email or webinars or horribly boring corporate videos. Now, if your company has figured out how to make those things exciting, then power to you. But if you're like most companies, delivering exciting employee communications is really, really difficult. And you know the cost of that, right? Poor employee engagement, poor customer experience, even sales results that are lower than they should be. And those are the problems that Ycaster solves. We use podcast technology to help you create custom-produced podcasts that are super fun, totally relevant to the message that you need to deliver. You can keep them in-house. You can throw them on iTunes if you want them publicly available. It's all up to you. Anyway, now to my conversation with Jean about her brand new book, would you do that to your mother? The Make Mom Proud standard for how to treat your customers. We sat down a few days ago, and the first thing I asked her was about the metaphor of mom. It's so great. Okay, here we go. And, and again, the cool thing about that metaphor is that it, it, it plays at every level of, or, of the organization. If you're a frontline person, it's about your 
personal behavior. You know, yes, you may have to turn down somebody's claim, but you can do it in a way that leaves their dignity intact, that shows empathy, and that guides them to a better outcome next time. Um, it's for the middle of the organization and teams who end up being the people inadvertently who create a lot of the rules and the processes that become spaghetti bowls for customers. If you personalize that humanity as you're thinking through it, and in the book I give you real specifics, so it's not just the metaphor, but the, the, the action items of the top eight things, for example, in the chapter I call, would you feed me, you know, don't make me feed you soap. <laughs> right? Well, well, there's a snort for you, Pat. Um, and, that, and that's about all the crazy things that we, we do to customers inadvertently because we're silo-based and internally driven. You know, I just love how Gene's metaphor takes us away from reports and points us toward a true north. It's the true north of, you know, would you do that to your mother? I just, I just think that's brilliant. Here's Gene. At the end of the day, there, there's some kind of anchor you have in your life, right? Whether it's your mom or your aunt or a friend's mom or your dad, you know, whatever it is, we all tend to float a lot of our life through the lens that through which they either guided us or through which we think of them um, as we're living our own life as a customer, as a human. And so um, that's what the point of it is. Um, but this trust story and this church story you brought up, I thought I'd swing us back to, which if you don't mind, I think it's a, it's a fun one. So in the um, chapter called Take the High Road, <laughs> which is the last big chapter before the summary um, of the summary, I call it the quiz, which is called Stop the Shenanigans. Um, it's, this is a chapter called Let Two-Way Trust Define Your Actions. And I grew up in Chicago, so we're a big Chicago Cubs family. And I'll read a little bit from it, but we were such zealots about two things. Being Catholic, I mean, this was a long time ago. This was, you know, when we were all growing up, we all went to church, and going to the Cubs games on Sundays. And so my mother, in her motherliness, would actually, when a Cubs game landed on a Sunday, go to the priest and get a dispensation for us <laughs> from church so we could go to the Cubs game. It's a matter of priorities, right? I guess. Or, or if she didn't get the dispensation, I just think people get a crack up out of this, especially people of a certain age. If she didn't get it, and there were seven of us, so there's a lot of little, my maiden name's Lombardo, running around. Sure. So if she didn't get it, my, we'd all be in the Woody station wagon. We'd get out, go to church, and my dad would circle the block until a certain point in the mass <laughs> when we could leave, and it was okay. We could have checked we went to church, and then we'd go to the Cubs game. Nice. So, yeah, right? Good uh, for mom. I know. But here's, here's the, the ode to um, my dad and the Chicago Cubs for trust. So it's um, for the Chicago Cubs organization, trust and hope. For many, many years were all the currency they had to give their fans. And when they finally won the National League Championship in 2016, sorry, I can't read, I'm in the dark. It had been 108 years since a Cubs journey, jersey was worn in a, in a World Series. And since 1906, they had qualified for the postseason in only 18 occasions. Bound together by heartbreak and joy through generations of families, the Cubs' relationship with their fans is one of reciprocal trust, both gave and got. So, you know, I mean, I, there's more to it, and, you know, if people get the book. But the whole idea of this book is we look at our life as customers through the lens of our life as humans. We share 
these experiences. And in fact, that was one of the things I say in, in the gratitude section of the book was, you know, I'm grateful for having found this work as early in my career as I did. I'm grateful for the community of brave, brave crusaders who have joined forces um, with me as a really wonderful, passionate tribe to do this work and for their, you know, desire to have me be one of the people to help them through the work. And then also I'm grateful for my life as a customer in its ups and downs because if I hadn't experienced them, I couldn't have written this book in that human way. So, so all three of those things kind of converge after 35 years to find a simpler way to write about this work that makes it accessible. Sure. And oftentimes it can be like, you know, the whole thing, the customer experience thing. You know what yeah. I'm talking about, right? It's, I do. I do. It's I do. a massive industry now with reporting, with, yeah. as you alluded to earlier, customer experience journeys, which are fine. I mean, there's a lot of value that can be had from that. But do you find that it's really time that we got back to the essential question of why the heck are we doing all this stuff? That's right. And in fact, um, there's some great stories in there. And, and this whole idea of, you know, how do I take this, this cover, this title, would you do that to your mother, which is a little bit like edgy, but then bring the inspiration in. And the inspiration that came in with these case studies, these, there's over 85 companies cited and 32 in-depth case studies that are make mom proud actions. And this takes leadership bravery and deliberateness. For example, uh, I'm a super fan of Raul Leal and uh, Richard Branson and the Virgin Hotels Group, which chose to walk away from the nickel and diming that exists in most of our lives in a hotel experience. And, you know, Raul Leal said about the book, um, an actionable, smart and fun book, everyone in hospitality should read. It gets us back to why we're in business in the first place. And I was so grateful for that, that bit of feedback from him because that's the point. We get joy when we deliver joy. And we get growth when we deliver memories, when we are human. And, you know, it's like operationalizing humanity to, to not to be so weird. But that's what I attempted to do was give you 32 mini operating plans to weave who you are as people into how you do work and how you behave in business. Absolutely. And you touch on something that's really close to my heart, which is the employee experience yep. and the occasional incongruity that yes. employees sometimes discover between the values espoused by the organization and the values that are lived within the walls of the organization itself and how absolutely disheartening that can be for the yep. employee. Well, yeah, and that's in the chapter, in my first, the first big chapter of the book called Be the Person I Raised You to Be. And the whole point of that is, the best companies, the enlightened companies and the companies that are really thinking about it realize that, you know, job one is finding people who align with their values, right? They, they are very deliberate in how we hi they hire. But then after that, they find a way to enable those people they, they hired to thrive. Um, and so, what, like you said, I call it congruence of heart and habit. Heart is what you know is right and habit is enabling people to do it. So, um, throughout the book, there's a bunch of what I call mom quips. Like, would you turn down your mom's warranty claim two days after it expired? And, you know, you wouldn't, and neither would I, but sometimes we're forced to because we're given black and white rules. But what about if instead we gave these smart, smart, intelligent, wonderful humans we hire wiggle room, not giving away the keys to the vault willy-nilly, 
but the customer information so they know who they're talking to. Um, and then also whatever else they need to make an informed decision that can't possibly be covered with a blanket policy that was created at some point in time for some reason. And when you do that, you actually turn people into customer rescue artists, customer revenue generators, customer advocacy builders, instead of policy cops. And as you mentioned, Pat, what's important about that is people's spirit rises when you let them rise to the occasion. When you give them a rule, you know, who wants to deliver the bad news of, no, I can't do anything for you, even though I know it's the wrong thing here? You know, I always empathize with the airline people when they're about to charge me that $150 or $200, and I say, I know you don't want to do this. <laughs> and they're like, I know I don't want to do this to you. That's incongruence. I'm thinking about the organizations that I work with from frontline managers to VP levels to mm -hmm. you know folks on the front line who are talking to customers every day. And oftentimes the nature of coaching sure. or the nature of conversations from each of mm -hmm. those levels can be different. But here we have a here we have a way to make it the same thing. You know, yep. would you do that to your mom? No. Okay, well, what's the right thing to do? And it is a grand unifier. You know, I, I didn't talk about the leadership level of the organization, but th that's why I have this last chapter called take the high road and it, it does you know use truth and transparency to sell and serve you know what is your contract experience like you know i <laughs> the beginning of this chapter says would you make your mom sit in a windowless room for hours providing information that is confusing unclear and a little bit frightening would you push her to an extended warranty then offer fuzzy math on her trade-in and unclear information on how you calculated her monthly payment and, and yet that's a methodology for making the sale, not earning the relationship, right? Are you, are, where's your deliberateness around this? You know, there's the whole thing around uh, trust and uh, fine print and all of the, I call it the gotcha rules, right? Where, you know, uh, there's a, the story in the book is a couple was going to redeem a coupon for lunch and, you know, the fine print is like, no, this is only on Tuesdays and when there's a full moon or whatever it is, We've all experienced these if, I call it, you know, my mom always said, and our moms always said, the ifs, ands, and buts of the offer, right? Do we, do we give an offer but then make it so complicated to redeem it that it really wasn't a heartfelt offer in the first place? You know, there's a wonderful story in there about uh, a, a company called Luscious Garage. They, they do hybrid cars, but it's complete transparent communication to the point where they've created a a wonderful mobile uh, collaborative tool where they you don't there's no service advisor in the middle you communicate directly with your technician and he's he or she lots of women technicians there as well is sending you pictures of the underbody of your vehicle and what really needs to be done and you're collaborating constantly through the process because how many of us have gotten that phone call right that phone call uh, where you're waiting for the bill how much is this bill going to be? It's a little rattling and suddenly it's like a 1500. You're like, what? Right. How is that right. And because there's no transparency, it's a shock. And we're going to, we're going to question it simply because we haven't been involved in the process of getting to the $1,500 charge, even if it is legitimate. That's right. It's, it's not, it's, it's the, the black hole right? The black hole yes. of no communication creates fear, worry, concern, dukes up 
uh, and, and we inadvertently put our customer in a position of trying to protect themselves, where if we were just open, and, and this is, again, I, I give you mom's benefit of the doubt throughout this book. It's not that anybody wants to do that. But we've got silos and fast things to do and processes that were created for our efficiency, not for the humanity of the customer experience. And that's what creates this, this do it by the numbers stuff that occurs that then makes the customer feel like, look, I've got to be my own advocate. Sure. So we've talked about the phrase customer centric. If a company is customer centric, you know, what does that look like? I'm going to introduce a new phrase to you, mom-centric. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. So if a company is, if an organization wants to be mom-centric, what can they do differently? What can change so that they know they're cutting through the rigmarole just to get to the point of what they need to accomplish? Yeah, well, and and that's really why I wrote the book the way I did. There's 32 toolkits in this book that you can... And a lot of these things don't cost you uh, a lot of money. It's a deliberate shift in uh, leadership and operation and just moving things around the way that you, you normally do them. And so what I've done is organize this into the four big categories of our lives as customers. So there's eight major case studies, but lots of other examples. Um, you can do an audit on how you're doing, uh, enabling your employees to, to bring the best version of themselves to work. Uh, the SOAP. Things. Don't make me feed you soap. These are the big things that are the, you know, put up your dukes and, you know, make me fend for myself across your business. You can evaluate where you are now in those things. The put others before yourself. We, we tend to design what we do based on either how we've always done it or what we want to get from customers. This is that human-centered design, but just even simple things like there's a, a, a case study in the book around um, Mayfair Diagnostics, a, an imaging center um, in Canada that changed the way they say hello and the way they greet their customers, not over the desk, but at a standing pod where they're eyeball to eyeball. So what's your hello? And then finally, the take the high road from a leadership standpoint. How are you choosing to grow and what won't you do? to grow. Um, so it's a very deliberate and, and simple path. You can go through these four chapters and, and take the shenanigans quiz at the end <laughs> and, and then work your way through it. And then also, we're all about sharing. Find one or two things. This is the other thing, Pat, and I know you know this, is this work is about one thing, then another thing, then another thing. And that's why I broke it into mini toolkits. So you're not eating the elephant or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, saying you want to have, but you're doing one thing and that begets another thing. Company gets the book. They crack it open. They're inspired appropriately. Uh-huh. What would be the first specific thing that that a frontline manager might do after reading and being inspired by your book? Well, you know, I, I think they would um, definitely start with that, be the person I raised you to be. There's going to be a lot of action items in there uh, for their folks. Do the audit questions and then talk to the front line about these things. We've got to bring the people doing the work to the table to have a conversation about it. If, uh, and and we, we know with research and validation and especially this, this younger group of people coming up in our ranks of business, they rank being part of building something 
more importantly than than the the salary they yes. receive in many ways. As you describe that, what you've done for those frontline folks is you've given them in your book a tool that they can then use to communicate in a way to the senior levels of the organization that they'll understand. You know, mm-hmm. we all know that the frontline they want to do the right thing. But oftentimes the thought is, well, upper management won't go for it because it's maybe counter to policy and they wouldn't go for it. Well, here's an opportunity for them to have that conversation and maybe even using your book, cycle that up to senior levels of the company to start a conversation around incongruencies. Well, that's right. Because, you know, a lot of people say, uh, well, the front line isn't acting the way they need to act. That's not, no. We need to create the pathway for them, you know, your, your front line isn't going to start giving away uh, flyers on a warranty two or three days out of warranty if that's not, if that's not the approach. The, the leaders have to um, give permission and honor people and trust them and give them that information. And so this book is as much about leadership as it is and uh, in, in inspiring and enabling as, as it is about the front lane acting. You know, I just love it when conversations on this show come full circle, as they often do. What Gene is talking about is the challenges that organizations have about empowering frontline employees to make in-the-moment decisions, not give away the farm, not give away the keys to the vault, but make the right choice for the customer at that particular time, irrespective of policy. And that can really be challenging when you're talking about thousands of employees. So in episode number five of this show, that's precisely what Arlene King, SVP of Customer Experience at TELUS, talks about. So if you want to circle back and listen to Arlene King's interview after this one, it's really interesting how these completely separate conversations merge and converge in their thoughts and their ideas. Having said that, I'm sure you've noticed by now that the notion of trust has been a consistent thread that's woven its way through Gene's and my conversation. Trust customers have of the company they're doing business with, trust the company has for its customers, and a third level of trust that's also crucial. And that's trust from levels of management to customer-facing frontline individuals. Here's Gene on that. Well, and, and that's why hiring is, you know, the most important thing. If you hire people for the right reason, you know, you get to know the human behind the resume. And then you've got to train and invest in them as well. You know, there's a wonderful story in there about Cleveland Clinic and the, the, the metamorphosis that they've gone through over the last 15 to 20 years of taking really deliberate actions, you know, one after the other that started to build uh, a, a different approach to how they care you know, how care shows up. Um, but it's it's not going to happen overnight. There's got to be a deliberate set of actions that the organization takes to the tools and support that they provide their people. And then, you know, it's not blind trust. I call it enabled trust. What's the difference between enabled trust and blind trust? Well, blind trust is what everybody's worried about. Oh, you just want me to tell everybody to do what they want. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to have a really deliberate way of hiring people. For example, Pal's Sudden Service in Tennessee, it's a hamburger and hot dog stand. And they, uh, they have won a Malcolm Baldridge Award, for heaven's sake, for how efficient they are. But they're so indebted to their growth from their humanity, they actually go through a 60-question uh, psychometric survey to find out 
who they'll bring into their team so that when you show up at that window to pick up your hot dog, there's a dose of humanity with that fast food. Um, so they're very deliberate, but then they mentor their people on a regular basis and they train them. Um, and so uh, blind trust is saying, okay, let's just tell people we trust them and then the CFO and everybody's worried because that just seems crazy. Enabled trust is the deliberate steps. Hire the right people, give them the tools, give them training, um, support them, create a learning situation like the Four Seasons does. After every shift, they do something they call a glitch report review. So it's a learning environment. You've got to also, you know, like good parenting, you've got to let your kids fail a little bit to be able to grow as well without being punitive. So it's a, it's a different approach. It's enabling and guiding and supporting, but it's, it's all based on initially hiring the right person. So the, the journey toward becoming a make mom proud company, it's not, it's not suddenly today we're going to flip a switch and be a make mom <laughs> and proud add company. your crystal ball in it. And right. And everybody gets a memo. <laughs> we're now a make mom proud company. Yeah, no, don't work that way. So we're a company, we're midstream. We're going to bake with the flour we got and we need to become a make mom proud company. What's, What's something that we can do to build that that enabled trust when perhaps I hadn't been recruiting along the lines that you've just described? Are you talking specific to recruiting or, or specific to kind of you've got what you've got right now? You got what you got. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the story of um, Cleveland Clinic is a great example of that. What they they had a, a team of people in healthcare, you know, like many like many of our businesses that are hired to do certain things, right? You you have therapists, you have technicians, you have janitors, you have you know nurses, doctors, lots of smart people who are staying in their lane and doing their thing, but they weren't gelling necessarily. I, you know, Dr. Toby Cosgrove, when in 2010 said patients come to, to us for quality of care, but they don't like us very much. And so their stair-stepping was very deliberate. The first thing they did was uh, what they called a no-passing rule. And this is where I outline in the book, you can you start with one thing that's so clear in black and white that there's no room for interpretation, meaning anybody walking past a patient's room where the call light is on, no matter what your job, you go in. You go into the room and you, take, you, you figure out how you're going to help that patient. The, so so that, was, that got them a certain part of the way sure. but any every company what's your version of that no that no you know that no passing, passing rule thank you for your help there the second thing they did was so the first thing was a very tactical action thing yes is, and that's what i particularly liked about it it's so tactical yes, and doable right. and it feels like a rule but it moves everybody from one plane of thinking to another yes the next thing they did was the elevation of the humans in their job and i love that they stair step this so they also then decided, because before that, only doctors and maybe another class of people were called caregivers. Now, everyone at Cleveland Clinic is a caregiver. Your job is to deliver care no matter what your job. So if you're going in to clean the bathroom and you see that lady in the bed um, could use a little fluff on her pillows, take care of her. You all have permission to be human, to show the best side of you. And I also love how how the notion of everybody's a caregiver elevates 
and you used that word earlier, elevates everybody's task, no matter what the task. If you're cleaning bedpans, that's great. You're giving care. People rise to the occasion. Right. You know, there was a company we were doing work with, a spa company. And again, similar, everybody's organ, all of our companies have smart people who are hired for technical reasons, but we're not gelling to show up as a human. What are our, what's our characteristic? So we had this spa company we were working with and instead, and, and instead of hiring spa technicians, um, we changed how we hired, how we developed and how we coached and enabled people so that they were customer escape artists, right? Nice. Totally yeah. different. <laughs> it changes everything. Okay. So then the third thing they did was important because Again, our businesses are based on silos, and yet we burden the customer in, in healthcare, they call it the burden of care, of knitting all the pieces together. And so if you're, um, a, if you're in a hospital, you're going to get, they call it rounding. Most people know this, but the healthcare professionals round, they do rounding. And so you might have, maybe, maybe you're ill and you have three different specialists working for you, and then you have somebody taking your blood and nurses... And, and so you'd have three different visits from each of those three different specialists, each telling you a different story, and you're trying to put it all together. Now what they've done is they've, they've addressed the organizational divide, which is another big piece of the pie as you're evolving to showing up as a caring company. And so now all of the people who are, who are helping you uh, to become healthy are round together. So they take care of the whole human emotionally, physically, and, you know, certainly medically. And they recognize that there's a whole human being that they're working with and not just a series of very specific symptoms. It's, it's that simple. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard, but it's, it's that tactical. So what's your version of those three actions? So Jean, I know you, you're a super generous person. If you order the book, you get way more than just the book. Walk mm-hmm. us through what else you get. We've created a, a, a link called Make Mom Proud. All the case studies are a case study to make mom proud. Um, but on there are also gifts. I'm Italian. I'm a giver. If you buy one book, four books, or ten books, I'm going to give you stuff to let you keep this living inside your organization. So there's where the gifts are. They're also on my website. Um, and, and there's a cool thing there too, um, where you can actually upload a picture of your mom and something you've done in business to make her proud. So Jean. Yes, sir. You're the best. Oh, Pat, you're the best. And I, you know, oh, I want to wish you so well in all of your your work and your focus on employee experience. Oh, I know thank you're you focusing so much. on that. And, and I want to thank you. Oh, Thank you. It's it's so great to have you on the show. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there who celebrates. Oh my goodness. That was such a fun conversation. So filled with facts and so intense. I just love talking with Gene Bliss. And feel free to share this podcast with any of your colleagues who might benefit from it. And also, you know what? Go out and get the book. Would you do that to your mother? Uh, you can get it on Amazon. I put a link in the show notes. So you can go ahead and do that. And you know what? Buy 10 or 20 and give them away. And thank you for listening, for spending this time with me. You know what? Go make mom proud. I'll see you next time.